The Man in Grey. Oh my Gus. Giuseppe Gus Moreno had been a hot dog vendor, a pretzel seller, an always smiling ray of sunshine for his customers for almost every day of the past 20 years that he had been waking up, working, selling, and the proud owner of his stand. By Giuseppe Gus Marino's reckoning, he must have sold close to a million ice creams, close to five million bottles of water and cans of soda, close to 10 million pretzels of every kind of topping combination imaginable, and an almost infinite number of hot dogs, which he sold at two bucks apiece. You would think that after all these years, and after all those hot dogs, pretzels, soda cans, and most importantly, after all the smiles that he had put on the faces of so many people, that Gus would be a man living his dream. And, for the most part, he was, because he loved his job. But for the right to do what he does, and what he had been doing for years, rain or shine, and for hours at a time, Gus, like most people, had to pay a price for doing the one thing that he loves doing the most in the world. In an average year, Gus has to pay the New York City Department of Parks and Recreation close to $300,000 for the privilege to own and operate his cart and sell to his customers who regularly come and buy from him where they can always find him, in the same place that he had been for years in Central Park. And Gus is not alone. In fact, every hot dog, pretzel, ice cream, peanut vendor who does what Gus does would have a similar story to tell if you ask them, and many vendors like Gus have over time ultimately had to make the hard decision of selling up and no longer doing the thing that gives them the most joy in the world. Gus set up his cart 20 years ago after he lost his wife to breast cancer. It had always been Gus's dream to open an ice cream parlour like his father before him had done in Queens, New York, many years after he had come to America from the old country as he had described it. Gus's father, Antonio Marino, had always wanted to give the best life to his wife, Ginny, and their five children. But living and working in America was hard at first, and Antonio and his entire family were forced to make sacrifices from time to time for the sake of their family. The Marino family weren't rich, but they weren't poor either. In fact, above all else, they were happy. And there was no one happier than Antonio Tony Marino, who, like his son Gus is now, was a beacon of sunshine for so many people. Gus's late wife, Mary, was the one who came up with the name of his cart. It came from a phrase that Mary was always saying and repeating to her husband. Oh my Gus! Gus was, and still is, an amazing cook of every kind of food. Food more elaborate, exquisite, and with more depth and nuance of flavour than you would expect to find from even the best of the best of your common or garden variety of hot dog vendor. When Gus's wife Mary was still alive, and for almost every day that they had been together, Gus did everything for her. He bought her flowers, he wrote her poems, he showered her with love and affection, and he put all that he had into every plate of food that he made for her.
To Gus, Mary was his world. And as far as he was concerned, he had never loved another woman before Mary and could never again. And that was why Gus had remained a widower and had lived alone in his one-bedroom apartment for the past 20 years without even a second thought to the possibility of finding love anywhere else or with anybody else. Gus didn't really make anything too extravagant anymore. The closest that he came to food extravagance these days was probably a big bowl of linguine with a pinch of parsley and a large glass of red wine. However, that was probably once a year on his birthday. Every day after work, Gus would go to his late wife's grave and sit with a cheese and chorizo sandwich on a white bread roll and a thermos of hot coffee and read to her the next chapter of a book or a poem that he had written for her. Gus would always love his wife and every day that he stood at his stand in Central Park with the name Oh My Gus printed in red and white on the sign that was firmly placed on the side of his red stand in all its glory, Gus was daily reminded of his wife and comforted by the constant feeling that his wife was watching over him and blessing him every day. Today was like any other day. Gus had woken up, he had taken the bus and the two trains that he daily took to get from 46th Avenue, 171st Street, near where he lived in Queens, to 86th Street. He had retrieved and stocked up his cart, and he was standing in his regular spot near Central Park Zoo and waiting for his first customer of the day. It was such a beautiful day in New York City. The sun was shining brightly and there was no end of people running and walking around Central Park and by midday Gus figured that close to 30 people had already stopped to buy something from his stand. It was lunchtime now for many of the workforce of the city and it was always at this time of the day that Gus always experienced a surge in both customers and sales. Of all the people that Gus loved to meet and sell to, apart from his regular customers, were tourists. Why? Because to Gus, meeting people who were visiting the city for a short time, whose home was somewhere far away, was always like having an opportunity to peer in outside the bubble of the city and the country as a whole and hear the stories and the accents of people who he had never met before. Gus had met people from England, China, Germany, France, and even from somewhere called Timbuktu, and that was what he loved the most about his job, meeting people, and the more varied the better. Gus had regulars, like every business does, but most of the people that Gus met on a daily basis he met and he spoke to only once, perhaps twice, but mostly the visits that he had from people and the sales that he made were by and to strangers who he would never see or talk to again. Gus always asked everybody who he sold anything to what their name was and where they came from, and he always sent them on their way with the parting gift of a nugget of his wisdom, which most of the time was the most poetic thing that anyone had probably ever been told. Gus had never physically left the island of Manhattan, nor the country in his life, and like a great many Americans, he did not even own a passport. However, 
Gus was a voracious reader of adventure stories and holiday brochures, and he had dreams every night of places and people and about visiting faraway countries the like of which he had heard about from his tourist customers. Gus loved his job, and on a day like today, a bright and beautiful day when the temperature outside is close to 100 degrees Fahrenheit, as far as Gus was concerned, there was no better place to be than in Central Park, at the heart of New York City, in the shade of his cart canopy. Gus was currently reading about a city that he had wanted to visit since he was a boy, London, England. Gus had been having fantasies for years about going to England and having a cup of tea with the Queen of England at Buckingham Palace. One day, Gus always said to himself, one day the Queen and me are going to have some tea and some strawberries and cream and talk about racing and racehorses. Gus had been well aware for years that the Queen of England loved horse racing and that she had owned and bred a few winning stallions in her time. Gus had always liked placing a bet or two every now and again on a fellow Italian stallion, as he always described them to others, a few dollars here, a couple of dollars there, but for the most part Gus had only made a modest profit on whatever he had put on. Every bet that Gus had ever made had been one that he had put on a horse with either an Italian name or anything that made him think about the home country and the same place that he had read about but had never been. One day, Gus always said to himself, one day. It was about one o'clock in the afternoon. Gus was taking a short time out in what the Spanish call a siesta. In other words, Gus was taking his first afternoon nap of the day. And it was then that Gus was awoken suddenly by the sound of footsteps approaching his stand. Gus slowly regained consciousness. However, he was more than a little disorientated at first. Usually Gus got at least an hour of shut-eye at this time of the day, but when he looked at his watch, he saw that he had only been asleep for what must have been ten minutes at the most. Though Gus was always happy for the custom and the potential opportunity to meet someone new, Gus was not usually as obliging as he normally was, especially if he had been awoken, whether on purpose or accidentally, before he had had at least an hour of a nap time, because it was in his dreams, both at night and during the day, that Gus got to travel and see things that he yearned to see, hear and feel in the real world one day. But Gus loved his job, and he loved meeting new people from close to home or from faraway places, so from the moment that he opened his eyes, he instantly turned on both his charm and his smile as soon as he laid his eyes upon... Oh my... Oh my, you, you are, you are, said Gus in a state of astonishment as he took a momentary step back from his stand in both shock and in amazement at who he saw standing on the other side of his cart. You can call me John, if you like, said the man with the black curly hair who was wearing a pair of rounded sunglasses. Sorry, mate. Didn't mean to wake you from your fiesta, but I was just wondering if I could get a hot dog from you, said the man wearing the rounded sunglasses, the black jeans and the white t-shirt with the words New York City printed boldly in black ink upon it.
You. You are, said Gus quietly, completely and utterly taken aback by the appearance of whom it was who he saw with his own eyes. Gus rubbed his eyes over and over again, believing that if he were dreaming right now, then he would wake up any second, and the man that he thought he had seen would no longer be standing there on the other side of his cart. Gus opened his eyes again, and there the man that he had seen still was, just as he had appeared when Gus had awoken, and also as he had appeared in a great many photos which had been printed on a million or more t-shirts over the years. The man who Gus had seen, who he still saw looking back at him from behind his dark glasses, who bore the striking resemblance to the one and the only John Lennon. John Lennon? Yeah, I've been told there's a resemblance, said John with a smile, as he stepped back and he put his hands in the pockets of his black jeans, as if imitating the famous pose of the real John Lennon that had been printed and sold to countless tourists from all over the world who had visited New York City. Nah, I'm only just kidding, said John with a smile. If he and I were standing next to one another, way back when, then I'm sure that not even George, Paul or Ringo would have been able to tell the difference between us. I've always liked him. He was a sound guy. He wanted to give power to the people, and I'm all about that. He was jealous sometimes, but who in their life hasn't danced with a devil, right? said John, before he took off his rounded sunglasses and he put them in the left-hand side back pocket of his jeans. So, any chance of a hot dog, mate? I'm starving, said John, as he looked Gus straight in the eye. Yes, yes, of course, but of course, said Gus, as he quickly jumped into action and started retrieving a hot dog from inside his stand and then readied a white-breaded bun. Don't worry, mate, no rush. I'm here all day said John, as he looked at Gus with a sparkle in his eyes. So, how long have you been here? asked John. Me? I've been here all morning. I... I got this morning about five and then... Nah, I mean, how long have you been here? asked John again. Here? replied Gus with a look of confusion on his face, until he realised what John was actually asking. Oh... You mean here, said Gus. How long? How long? Twenty years. Yeah, about twenty years now. Since I lost my wife. She... She wanted this for me. It was her wish for me to live my dream. It was her who left me the money, the inheritance from her mama's will, to do this. To have this. To have people like you come up to me and eat one of my hot dogs and then turn to me and go... Oh my Gus, said Gus with a smile and a chuckle. That's great, Mace. That's really great. Must have met loads of people in your time, asked John. Oh my God, yes, so many. So many wonderful people from so many wonderful places from all over the world. I get to meet everyone, said Gus with a smile of joy firmly planted upon his face as he flashed back within his mind to all of the faces and to all of the names of the many customers who had bought a hot dog, a pretzel, 
or a soda from him over the years. Ever met someone like me? asked John with a noticeable inflection of intrigue on his face. Like you? You mean from England? Gus replied with a smile as he looked at John while simultaneously putting a hot dog on the white bun and he was about to ask John what he wanted on top of his hot dog however that was until John replied well yeah you could say that I guess last time I checked but I'm thinking more someone like me who is in my line of work in the same state of affairs as me you could say said John Gus stood where he was, holding the plain hot dog between the fingers of his left hand as he looked at John and thought about who he might be referring to from his recollection of all the numerous people that he had met over the years. I'm not sure. To be honest, I... I don't know. I don't know who you are. You look like... You look like someone I've seen before, but you can't be the real him. I guess... You could be his ghost. You wouldn't be the first ghost I've seen in my life, said Gus with a smile, as he recalled the vivid memory that he still had of seeing his father after he died, late at night and sitting on the edge of his bed when he was 16 years old, after his father had died of a heart attack, peacefully and in his sleep, as he was always told by his mother. Well, if you had, I think you'd remember. You can't miss who I'm looking for. He has a British accent. He changes his clothes once every thousand years or so. And just as I look a lot like John Lennon, this guy looks a lot like the long-lost twin brother of Davy Jones. Or, shall I say, the one who you might know better, who went by the name of Bowie. David Bowie? asked John, as his smile momentarily changed into a grimace of sorts. David Bowie? replied Gus instantly, and with wide-eyed surprise and fascination. The David Bowie? Well, not really. I mean, he looks a lot like him, from afar like, and sometimes somewhat close too, but mostly he just looks like somebody who just can't leave well enough alone. He wears a black, wears black a lot while he's here. You know, like he's about to go to a funeral or something. But I've been told that he's been seen rocking some white attire just recently. You know, like he's trying to walk, like he's trying to talk, like he's trying to act, like he has all the power in the world, and like he can do whatever he wants, dressing like, dressing like, well, I would dress actually said John, as he appeared to be lost in a state of trance of some kind. But, anyway, yeah, he's somebody I need to find. I know he's here, somewhere, and I was just wondering if you had seen him, asked John with a smile, as he slowly put his rounded sunglasses back on. Gus laughed. <laughs> I think, I think I remember if I saw David Bowie, just like I will always remember seeing you, John Lennon. A thing like that nobody could ever forget, said Gus as he smiled from ear to ear. This had been both the strangest and the most dreamlike day that Gus had ever had in his life, 
and Gus was still not yet truly convinced that he was in fact awake and not still dreaming. John Lennon? David Bowie? Who's next? Elvis Presley? However, it was then that Gus's day got even more surreal when he looked over John Lennon's right shoulder and he saw David Bowie dressed all in white looking back at him from a distance of two metres behind where John was stood on the opposite side of his car from where he was standing and still holding on to the unloaded hot dog that was getting colder by the minute. Oh my, said Gus quietly as he continued to stare past John and at David Bowie However, it was not long before John followed Gus's eyeline and he turned around on the spot until he came face to face with who he had been looking for. The man who went by many names, but who had had the same face, for the most part, for every moment of his appearances in the reality that was this world. Been a long time, said John immediately, as he looked at David with a smile on his face. It has. I'm so glad that you found me. Would you like to talk? replied David as he walked towards John. Sure, why not? replied John. You want one? asked John as he pointed to Gus, who was still holding the same now cold hot dog in his hand. Sure, why not? replied David. Nothing like a couple of hot dogs and a hot day like today, right? said David with a smile as he looked from John to Gus and then back again to John. Two hot dogs with everything on them, kind sir, said John as he turned back around and looked in Gus's direction again, who was still standing open-mouthed where he had been the entire time that John had been his customer. Coming right up replied Gus, and then he quickly began to make two freshly cooked and his very best hot dogs with every kind of topping that he could possibly put on them. After a couple of minutes, both John and David were finally holding their fully loaded hot dogs in their hands and enjoying every mouthful that passed their lips. Now that, that is said John as he attempted to talk while he still had a mouth full of hot dog that he was still in the process of devouring. That has got to be, got to be the best thing I've ever tasted, said John after finally finishing his sentence now that his mouth was now no longer full. Oh yes, I must agree. Delicious, delicious said David to Gus with a smile of satisfaction as he wiped his chin of a drop of some rogue yellow mustard that was slowly dripping from the right-hand side of his mouth. You guys want a soda or something? asked Gus with a smile of both happiness and fascination on his face. I think we're okay for now. Thank you, replied David before he made a lightning glance towards John. Yeah, we've got to be going. If we come back around this way, we'll be sure to say hello and get a pretzel or something, said John with a smile, as he took off his sunglasses and then almost instantly put them back on again. So, Manhattan Chase? asked David with a smile and with a momentary wink of his right eye. 
Why not? Almost seems poetic, replied John with a smile. And it was then that he pulled down his rounded sunglasses a little so that he could see David unfiltered for a moment. And then he pushed them back up again as a burst of bright sunlight directly hit the tinted glass of his sunglasses.